You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will be looking at two eras of Tim Drake. One will be the classic 90s 2000 Tim Drake Robin and Red Robin series, while the second will be taking a look at Tim Drake and the current era of DC Comics Rebirth and Beyond, most notably Detective Comics or whatever books Tim appears in that month. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. for them. Love the Drake. <laughs> Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. This show is also a proud member of the BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You can find this show and many other shows that Batman on Film also sponsors, and it's a sister site to them. So go check out Batman on Film and the Batman Podcast Network.com. Uh, you can also find us a few different ways on Facebook at Everyone Loves the Drake, uh, slash Everyone Loves the Drake. You know how to look that up on Facebook. Uh, Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can email the show at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com and our latest endeavor, which we haven't been using much lately, but I think we're going to be uh, doing a, a show here before too long over on the YouTube channel. Just look up. Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. I think we're going to be talking about uh, Batman's seduction of the gun um, over there. Um, I think uh, Terrence recently picked it up, and I picked it up, and uh, Jim, who also uh, frequents uh, the Batman uh, universe and does some writing there, he picked it up. So I think the three of us might talk about it over there. We're trying to plan if it's going to – it's probably not going to be this year. It'll probably be something uh, in 2017. Uh, with us – uh, today is Ryan Haas. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. Um, now, I know I probably shouldn't be here after last week's episode. Terrence did kick me off the podcast yeah. uh, because I won't say that girl that Tim is dating. I won't use her first or last name now because I can't pronounce it. But Terrence <laughs> isn't here because where is Terrence, Ryan? Uh, he's having fun with like uh, Mickey Mouse and... And others, I think. Yeah, Donald and Goofy and probably Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Incredibles. Uh, oh, character. and all those Marvel characters. Oh, yeah, all those Marvel characters. That is probably grounds uh, grounds for being off the podcast. So I had to come back because he's in Disney uh, doing family time. So I think this is the only reason why I'm here. <laughs> no, Terrence couldn't be yeah. here because, like, as we're <laughs> poking at him, uh, he's on a family vacation before uh, the holidays uh, start up. So we uh, hope you're having a good time with all the Marvel and Star Wars stuff. Blech. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We we told him that he should, instead of go to Disney, come just stay and talk to us about some old issues of Showcase 94, but he decided that was not a good idea for some reason. No, I, I, I don't understand. Cause, I mean, this is going to be so much fun. What does Space Mountain have on these books? 
Uh, seriously? Yeah, seriously. Priorities, man. No, so uh, like Ryan said, we're going to be covering uh, Showcase uh, 94 issues 5 and 6, and then Robin 6, which is uh, called Benedictions. At least it's in the trade that I have, um, is what it's referred to. And yeah. uh, the funny thing about this, for a long time, I only ever had Robin 6. And a joke that we'll get to in just a little bit that Tim keeps using throughout at least the first couple issues. He hates coming in the middle. And I was literally in the middle mm-hmm. <laughs> of the story. Like when I was, you know, cataloging, you know, all my books, I thought it feels like I'm missing something. But I have issue five and I have issue seven. Why does issue six stick out? And I just, I didn't never picked those up at my local comic shop till like years later. And even when I picked him up, I picked him up because Tim was on the front cover, and I thought, oh, I'll read him later. And when I got the trade um, a few years back, I realized, oh, crap, those issues I picked up were the continuation of the story. So I only actually read this for the first time in its completion uh, about a year ago. And uh, it made all the missing <laughs> pieces fit. But uh, before mm-hmm. we get into all, all of that, um, I was talking about picking up issues, and if you've been watching the Twitter feed and Facebook page, I've been doing the road to 183, and I finally completed all 183 uh, issues of the uh, Robin ongoing series. It only took me like 27 years <laughs> to, <laughs> to do so. But you know, did like, you break down and just get them off eBay, or did you find them at stores, or I, what? I found them all at stores. There was one. Ch- oh, that's awesome. One chunk of about seven books that um, I got on eBay, only because it it math wise it figured out they were like five cents an issue. Oh man, that's so awesome! It was it was a, a steal. I thought I, I can't beat that. So I I forget what the number run it was, uh, but uh, I think I only paid like two bucks for like all seven books or, or whatever it was. So I thought that was a a pretty good deal. But, you know, going through all the books and everything, you know, seeing it all, you know, completed, it was really kind of cool to be like, I finally did it. Well, now, now, now what's the next thing? So I've been thinking about doing um, uh, the Young Justice series. I I have almost all of the Red Robin series. I think I'm only missing four of those books. And it's like mm-hmm. the, the first four. I have all of the, oh. the back half. Um, and that's something that's really odd that trying to pick up the Red Robin series, I've been finding it's a, it's been a lot harder to pick up those books than it has been the Robin series, just because it was such a short run and it didn't last very long until the new 52 hit. So um, it's not like it wasn't selling really well, but probably people like me just weren't, you know, s- selling them back to comic book shops or mm-hmm. when they the comic shops only ordered, you know, what they needed. So there weren't yeah. a lot of you know, leftover copies like, you know, that was in the 90s where they would order like, you know, 100 copies, and that's why a lot yeah. were in the dollar bin. Um, so then I've been thinking about, you know, doing some Teen Titan stuff, and I'd like to try and pick up every single appearance that Tim has made. I think you've been doing that with Azrael, haven't you? Yeah, that's that's my plan for Azrael, yeah. So and it was cool that he appears in this book. So um, yeah. how, how far are you through, like, your Azrael collection? Uh, I have... Uh, well, I have all hundred issues of Azrael now. I have all the trades. I have I have pretty much I have pretty much everything, honestly. Um, pre Nightfall, uh, Nightfall, pre Nightfall, and Azrael proper. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a few other 
little stragglers here and there, but for the most part, I have pretty much everything that I think that there is. Now, something I've wanted to ask you, knowing that you're an Azrael fan, um, did that carry over into the Michael Lane Azrael, or were you more yeah. just Jean-Paul? Well, I'm definitely, most certainly more of a Jean-Paul fan, but uh, I do like the Michael Lane Azrael just because it's it, it, car- it carries the name and the character forward. Um, so I did, uh, and I picked um, all those series up as they were released um, and kept up with it that way. That's so, cool. Yeah, this has been uh, it's been a big like <laughs> buying uh, time for me picking up these Robin issues, and we took a vacation recently, um, you know, for my wife's birthday, and we were just kind of doing some shopping. And I found some half price bookstores, and something that I picked up that I've always kind of wanted is to get an absolute edition of a book. Oh yeah, and I picked up the absolute uh, Final Crisis at uh, a half price bookshop. It was oh, nice. marked down to like fifty bucks, but my wife had a fifty percent off coupon for it, so oh, I got sweet. it for like twenty six bucks and and change, you know, or, or something like that. I forget what it you know worked itself out to, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool, and I completed all of No Man's Land um, in the newest trades, and uh, I almost bought the new. Um, Robin trades that they just put out, uh, the Robin Reborn, which I already have those trades from, you know, their original release, and you know, one of them I'm currently reading out of right now for the podcast. But the one I've really been thinking about is Cry of the Huntress is in the last half of the trade that is uh, put together with um, uh, Robin Two, and that's one mm-hmm. of those of like I've got the single issues, but it'd be really nice to pull. You know that trade out and read those books, but I'm like, I already have the Joker's Wild. Do you run into yeah. that, or are you more of like, you know, okay, this is a new printing of the book. I, I'm going to get the new printing. Mm. How do you differentiate well, what, that if you already have an existing version of it? Well, when I was with, when I was going through all of these issues, Robin issues, and like I had, I had tons of the Joker's Wild, but I didn't have any of the. The Huntress Robin three. Mm-hmm. So when I found out that there was the trade, I was like, great. So I just got the trade. But if, as far as just buying trades for issues I already have, it either has to be. I guess the criteria is it just has to be a story that I really really like, mm-hmm. or uh, maybe with Final Crisis or something like that. What I did was um, I got all the issues for Final Crisis and read everything, and then I think I sold all my stuff and then just got the trade for the main story afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I had part of the, you know the main part of the story left and uh i'm a huge sucker for things that i re- really like or really am into like nightfall and jean paul valley and they just announced um i don't know if you've seen this but there's a nightfall omnibus volume one hardcover yeah that, that's going to come out next april so so and it's only volume one and it's probably going to be a giant you know seven eight dollar hard hardcover hardcover omnibus it's going to have like Vengeance of Bane and Batman Shadow of the Bat, Detective Comics and Showcase, like probably the first giant half of Nightfall in hardback. Wow. So I'm definitely going to be getting that, I would say. <laughs> yeah, the list price is, is 100 bucks, um, but you can get it cheaper off Amazon or something like yeah. that. But but uh, yeah, I'm so so th- when they announce things like that, I'm like, oh, i got to get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't picked up the, the only Nightfall trade that I have is the you know, most recent, like the 2012 printing of it. And I have, yeah. it's the Azrael. I think I probably said this on the show before. It's the Jean-Paul section of the books. Only yeah, because the ones I, that never came out. Yeah, the ones that never came out. And I 
at the time, I didn't care about Jean-Paul being Batman. So I was like, well, I'm not going to follow this Batman. I'm going to follow Bruce Wayne. I'm going to follow Tim Drake. And I just won't buy yeah. those issues. And after a while, I go, I'm hearing those were some really good issues. And then trying to track them down is, was about the time that that was released. So I just bought it in one trade. And yeah. I, I love it. I've, I've really, you know, yeah. missed out on a really cool era of Batman. And it's I love yeah. the... Uh, the suit, that first Azrael suit, you know, that he has, Azrael bat suit, before it becomes yeah. the whole, you know, mechanical, plausible, spiky glow, <laughs> glider wing thing that still looks yeah. cool, but. Well, it's, it's, it's just fun to follow the, the evolution of that character through that storyline, and everybody remembers the beginning of Nightfall when Batman breaks his back, and the end of Nightfall where Batman defeats Azrael, but the middle section is, is, it's harder to follow because there's no like part one and part two. It's just you know Azrael's doing over stuff over here in, in the aid, uh, Bruce Wayne's doing stuff over there in mm-hmm. the search, and it's just kind of all over the place and takes up a lot of different titles. So for me, that's one of the reasons why I started collecting all this Azrael stuff is so I could just follow every appearance he was in, so I could have as much exposure to all the stories of that era with that particular version of Azrael Batman possible. Um, so that's kind of why I was doing that. Yeah, I I can totally you know see why. I mean, that's yeah kind of where I started doing it with Tim Drake as well. You know, even though he was bouncing here or there, it was nice to have the solo series and then just kind of filter in all the different books that he was gliding in and out of. And if you kind of yeah collect that way, you can kind of gloss over the main story that the book may be talking about and follow the plot threads of what you know your character is doing. So that's a really cool oh, way to arc at play. Yeah, 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 definitely. But you know, the, the thing that real that still kind of bothers me is so like through the years they have they've had these, these various Nightfall um, uh, collected editions, and I was really excited when the 2012 versions came out, and they and they are pretty good. There's three giant thick volumes of Nightfall, Night's Quest, yeah. and Night's End. But for some reason, in the night in the night's in the Night Quest one, which was the 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 one as it was um all the stories that they had yet. They had not previously released. They right. still did not put Night Quest, the search in that in that book, and I. So that's still one of those things that's un. It's, that's just never been reprinted. And so, uh, and I just can't. I don't know why they haven't done that. So I'm hoping that these maybe that these <laughs> hardcover omnibus <laughs> volumes finally get them in there. It just you know I have those single issues and everything. It just it just bothers me that those haven't been you know, reprinted before. Yeah. And I, as you were talking, I just about, I don't know if you heard, I just about fell <laughs> in my room trying to reach for this book, oh. stepped right on a wrong box. But, um, I was thinking, Oh, they're in here. Yeah. No, they're not. Um, I, I always go, it's, yeah. it's my wife's belief when they're printing out these books. They're like, Whoa, 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 we're not going to put the complete story. We're going to wait seven years and then put out the ultimate edition. Then there'll be an ultimate, ultimate edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have us forever. But, uh, yeah, so that's about all the uh, news that we have um, at the moment, just kind of what we're collecting. Other than, this is the last, air quotes here, official um, show for the year. Um, I will make the announcement because I do have a word of it. By the time the show airs, we'll have a a date in place. But uh, we'll be doing a Christmas episode again. And then after the Christmas episode, we'll get back into uh, the rest of Nightfall. Um, we've tried to double up with some of these uh, episodes recently to hopefully try and get 
to completing Nightfall and it just didn't quite work out. So we'll finish that in 2017, which sounds really weird to say. But the Christmas episode, I had talked to uh, Ryan and uh, Terrence about doing Batman Noel. And it was a book that I just recently picked up. I've never read it. I've been a huge fan of Libra Mayho's uh, art and I always wanted to read it. Plus, I'm a sucker for uh, anything having to do with the Christmas Carol, all the different you know versions that the story has been turned into, being one-act plays or movies or Mickey Mouse and all those different things. And I thought, you know, it'd be really great to pull somebody else from another podcast in. And uh, Angie, Andy DiGenova uh, so graciously um, had us over on his show on Holy Batcast. And uh, at the time he uh, had us over there, I think he was getting married within the next you know week, couple weeks or something like that. And so when he gets back from the honeymoon, you know, hit us back up and we'll um, – yeah, he'll come over to our show and it just, it never seemed to work. And with the holiday season coming up, I thought this would be really cool to kind of do an end of the year uh, discussion about all the different versions of Batman that graced the movie screen in 2016 and to talk about uh, Batman Noel. So uh, what do you think about uh, doing a Batman Noel on uh, Everyone Loves a Drake, Ryan? Uh, I think, I think it'll be good. It's a good excuse to uh, talk about that book and it's a good excuse to bring, uh, bring Andy on too. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, for a good time. So, yeah, uh, I think it'll be good. I have a, to get, um, get uh, Batnog ready. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And maybe we could talk about our our, our wishes for 2017. And just uh, as crazy of a year as 2016 was, I think we've got another one in store for us as uh, far as movies and animated features <laughs> for for 2017. Oh, yeah. So I don't think uh, any things of slowing down, whether they all go swimmingly or not, is going to be another story, yeah. but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but like we said, today uh, we will be going through, um, it's the last, if you have the Flying Solo trade, which I'm reading this out of, we're looking at Showcase uh, 94, Issues 5 and 6, and Robin Six. I think technically it goes Showcase 5, Robin 6, Showcase 6. So welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves a Drake, and welcome to the show. we get into the rest of the episode let's take a look at the credits and the credits i always pull from mike's amazing world it's a great resource especially if you're a podcaster or if you just want to look up some information on particular issues it's a great uh, resource i can't recommend it enough just look for it online mike's amazing world of comics uh the credits uh for this are all in basically the robin issue the showcase could have you know different writers and credits uh for whatever reason uh they don't have it for the showcase issues primarily i'm not 
not sure exactly why. On Mike's Amazing World, maybe somebody just hasn't put that information in there. But I will read what they do have. But again, once I get to the Robin credits, uh, since Chuck Dixon and his team wrote the series, then those credits for the showcase issues will be exactly the same. But the release dates for the showcase issues go as follow. Uh, The cover uh, date is May 1994. The on-sale date is March 29, 1994. The cover price was $1.95. The Huntress story is My Midnight Confession. Uh, Cover credits for number five are Walter Simons. That's uh, issue number five. Uh, Issue number six goes as follows. Cover date, early June 1994. The on-sale date is April 12, 1994. Cover price, $1.95. I remember that the showcase issues seemed like, oh, I got to pay $1.95. Wouldn't you like to pay $1.95 now for a book? Uh, The story in this one is titled Huntress, Vengeance, and Forgiveness. And cover credits for number six are Brett Sears. If we switch over to Robin, Robin number six, the credits are much fuller. Again, like I said, uh, since Chuck Dixon and his team wrote the three issues, then these credits will be for the showcase as well. Uh, The cover date for the Robin number six is May 1994. The on-street sale date is April 5th, 1994. Cover price, $1.50. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill, and I forgot to mention, uh, Neil J. Ponzer was the editor on the showcase issues. Uh, The title in the Robin story is Death Angel. And the writing credits goes as follows. Writer Chuck Dixon, penciler Phil Jimenez, inker Romeo Tangala. I love these names. No wonder I don't pronounce half of them correct. <laughs> inker Bruce D. Uh, Patterson, letter Ken Brusniak, and colorist Adrian Roy. Cover credits for Robin number six are Tom Grummet and inker Raymond Kersing. This has been reprinted in Robin Flying Solo Trade Paperback, and uh, the showcase issues don't get reprinted that much unless it's continued in, you know, a series like this. So there aren't very few uh, showcase issues that are uh, reprinted, and it was lucky enough that they were in the Robin trade. So let's go back over to Ryan and myself, and we'll finish out the episode. All right, so like I said um, out of the uh, in the intro of the show that I had only read uh, Robin Six, you know, way back when when I was collecting it, and that just falls on the behalf of not knowing that there were showcase issues because I think I've said you know many times before that my quote unquote shop bookstore, um, if it wasn't on the shelf, I didn't know it existed. And that's before the days of the internet and. And if there wasn't like a price guide or if it didn't say in the issue, this is continued in, you know, showcase or whatever. If I didn't notice it, I may not have known to pick it up. So, um, like I said, Tim makes mention a couple of different times in here that he comes into the middle of the story. And that's how I felt for a very long time. Um, and I just reread this again uh, right before we recorded uh, earlier this morning. And uh, I'm... I think the story really holds up. I think I actually like this version, the story of uh, Robin and the Huntress more than I liked Cry of the Huntress. I really felt like with Cry of the Huntress, like they were really trying to get one more, you know, mini series before we would eventually get the, you know, Robin proper series, and it, that to me felt forced. Uh, this one just seems very natural. It kind of calls back to Cry of the Huntress. But I think it's this is a more cohesive story than what 
uh, Cry of the Huntress was. I felt like that story went on about two issues too long. Uh, just what were your overall uh, thoughts of how, how this story is and maybe compared it to uh, Cry of the Huntress? Well, a few issues ago, we were talking about um, some of the ads that we'd see in these books, and I brought up the fact that it seemed like Chuck Dixon was writing every comic book ever at the time. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, he's writing Green La- Green Lantern, and he's writing showcase issues. But the cool thing is, is it's just um, just looking at the way this um, story is constructed. You know, you had I believe that there was one issue of this per week. So every week you could go to the comic book store and get a nice, cool, you know, new part of this story three weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 fun. It's really cool. I mean, it's a nice break from the normal month to month Robin storyline. And it's not such an intrusive uh, crossover that it doesn't add anything uh, good. It seems like a worthwhile event. Um, and worthwhile, a worthwhile story worth telling. So it does serve as a nice pseudo-sequel to Cry of the Huntress, and I do agree with you. It's The fact that it's three issues, but the, I guess with the showcase kind of stuff in it, it, it kind of, I think it elevates it a little bit. It, it feels, um, it just feels like a, like, a, like a more complete, different kind of story than Cry of the Huntress. And, um, and I just like it. I like that there's always because there's already this history between the two characters, and so they can just kind of play with the characters a little bit more and just have more fun with the story. So yeah, I really liked it. And I know we're always praising Chuck Dixon, and, and rightfully so, and saying that um, Cry of the Huntress felt like it was two issues too long is not cohesive. I mean, he definitely wrote that story, and it wasn't yeah. due to bad or lack of bad writing or whatever. But I think it was just during the time at which that was written, I think he was probably getting ready to start doing the Robin series, knowing that Nightfall was literally right around the corner and then trying to funnel all that in. Um, I mean, not that it's bad. It's been just recently uh, released in, I think, Robin Triumphant is the trade that it's in right now, if I remember that correctly. Um, and that's been printed for the first time in a trade, so that's something I'll yeah. probably definitely go check that out rather than pulling up the single issues all the time. But um, I think he's uh, Chuck Dixon is spot on here. And uh, one of the first notes I had in here reading this uh, was uh, Phil Jimenez's art here. Um, on some panels, it is downright almost breathtaking. And others, I don't know if it's just because of the way that showcases run. It seems choppy and unfinished. I don't know if that's maybe not his fault as a penciler, but if it's the inker's fault. But um, And I apologize, I'm reading this out of the trade. I'm flipping into the first issue here. Just uh, flipped it over. My page is 121. I know that's not yours. But it's the first introduction of the Huntress uh, where she's... uh, coming in after uh, the building is being burnt. And I'll go back to the opening shot here in just a second. Um, But the pencils just look really inconsistent through this whole, her first entrance into the book just seems really, I don't know if that's in my trade or if you're, if you have a single issues, if it's kind of that way too. Uh, The biggest one for me is when she's coming in um, right after she's, you know, standing there, that very first panel where mm-hmm. she's kicking the guy in the white jacket, just the way her face is drawn, it looks like the lines aren't quite matching up. It's almost like it, it was overlaid funny. Is that in your version as well? 
Where she's kicking the guy in the face. Yeah, uh, kicking the, the guy in the jacket. Face. Yeah. Um, it, the, the line work looks just a little thin, like the printing didn't get all of the uh, the inking or something. Okay. But uh, but that's all it looks like to me. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's all it was. And other spots, it looks really good. Now I did want to get into the opening shot here, so we'll uh, uh, go uh, back at this. Now since I have this out of the trade, uh, I'll kick it over to you for the covers because. Um, oh yeah, and these and these early trades, uh, I wish they did it like they do now. At the very end of the book, you would get all the images of all the covers and variant covers, and that's not in here. I know what it looks like for six, but uh, I'll let you talk about the covers for the showcase issues. What about this first sure. cover here? Well, the first cover is, uh, I guess, is it is that a? I think they tell you at the end who drew who drew the covers. Don't they? Let's see. I have to break here. Okay. Is it normally? Bup, 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 bup. I'm opening my app I, here. It doesn't. I don't think it says. No. It looks like a. It. I mean, it looks like a Simonson cover. That's what I wondered. That's what it looks like to me. But yeah, it's a. It's a Simonson cover. I would say. Uh, and it's. It's just a Huntress obscured in shadow of a burning building, which kind of echoes one of the scenes. Um, Later in the on page seven, I'd say is kind of a little interpretation there. So yeah, it's a cool cover. Um, and then the uh, opening shot here of uh, Azrael Batman scaling up the wall, uh, yeah, being the residential Azrael shot. Uh, uh, aficionado here. Um, did you think he was going to play a larger role into this? Uh, I I really didn't. I really didn't know what to think. Um, I assumed that he probably wouldn't but the fact that it was starting in showcase and not robin made me think that maybe he would um and that's something to mention the fact that you know to this point in the robin solo series we really haven't they they really did kind of made it get a robin solo series and you don't really see uh asriel or jean paul too much um in that story so to see him at on page one of this is kind of a a, a nice surprise um, kind of reminding you that, yeah, you're in this world and, you know, this Azrael Batman's doing his thing while everybody else is kind of playing around it at the moment. So it's kind of fun that almost like um, he's used here almost like like a nuisance, like, oh, my God, here's here's this big, you know, thing that's happening in this universe right now. And uh, Batman's coming in. He's doing his thing um, badly. And uh, and he he's just crashing in and punching people and. And he's out, and then um, and then the story with uh, Huntress and Robin forms around it, and I think that's kind of a really cool way to do it, you know, just to have him as a little cameo, um, and I think that's kind of neat. And I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, is this not the first version of almost the completed Night Quest costume? The only thing that's missing here is the razor cape, because it looks like he has everything oh. else. But that, oh yeah, it could be. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure when. Um, that's the, that's something I need to start looking at when I go through my Nightfall reread. It's just when all the milestones where the story, uh, where the suit changes. I believe, I believe, doesn't this outfit finally debut in um, what Shadow of the Bat twenty five or something like that? I, I think that yeah. I think you might be right. Um, but yeah, I didn't notice that. It's it's almost that's. Almost suit is almost there, other than the the cape not being the razor cape. Yeah, you're probably right. That's right, and I I like this version of the costume. I still like. Yeah. I was never crazy about this helmet. Um, I yeah. liked more of the 
Cassandra Kane looking mask that just had the you know red eyes. Yeah, that's yeah. Out of all of them, the 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 one from Nightfall, you know, right at when he beats Bane and goes into that. That's my favorite one, just because it's it's the best balance between Azrael and Batman, I think. Uh, whereas the more that the story goes on with Azrael, he gets way more towards the Azrael uh, side of things, which makes sense for the story because the Azrael persona is kind of taking over. But at least to, to start with, it's it's a nice blend between the two characters, and I think that's kind of the sweet spot for me. But it is fun to see the the evolution of how insane, <laughs> insane and the costume gets. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I like the I like the uh, narrating uh, that's being done through both Tim and uh, Helena uh, starting out. Um, and some of the the notes that I have here, like the first thing that made me chuckle is her narration is I know how this outfit works that, you know, (laughs) we're always, you know, looking at the female superheroes, like why on God's green earth are you dressed like that going into combat? And Chuck Dixon's clearly making a reference here of like, well, this is kind of why she's dressing the way she is kind of for effect to kind of hopefully distract the guys that she's fighting. So she can be a little bit more um, effective in, uh, in taking them out. Um, although I think I've said before, this is my least favorite version of the Huntress costume. I think just because of the aesthetic reasons, um, it really kind of seems impractical. And this does scream, oh yeah, 1990s, you know, very, very loudly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The suit that she would end up having in um, No Man's Land, I think, is still my favorite uh, version of that suit. And then um, Batman uh, Hush as well. Um, yeah. I imagine your feelings on the costume are probably exactly the same. Pretty much exactly the same. Just the fact that she's got completely like bare legs and just it's, the suit is just in the cape. It just kind of doesn't really work too well in the big boots. It's kind of like a like it feels like a holdover from the '80s or mid '80s, and yeah. they're not really sure how to make that next interpretation. And you can see that with characters like um like Nightwing at, at, during this era and Catwoman and Catwoman right before they um switched her back over um in the with the purple suit I guess yeah with the with the balance series yeah so um something I thought was cool and I I don't think I ever knew this ahead of time other, until reading this that uh, from her inheritance she bought basically the whole entire block uh that her apartment is in and set up basically dummy other apartments to make it make other people think that this whole block is being occupied uh, yeah. so she can have some privacy, which I thought was really pretty cool. And that was always something as, you know, somebody like Barry Allen being the flash, he's living in an apartment. I'm like, aren't, isn't somebody going to figure out after a while that there might be a superhero <laughs> or something li- or somebody living next door. But I thought this was kind of real ingenious plan. So I don't, I can't remember. I was trying to do some research uh, before the show of trying to figure out like when she purchased it or if this was just something yeah. for this specific story. Cause I don't think yeah. it's addressed ever again beyond this. That's interesting. But I, I wondered that too, when I read that, cause um, the first thing I thought of is, Oh, that's kind of a neat setup for like, like a series. Like it, it's a very good kind of world building type kind of thing that you would see. And so I was wondering, Oh, maybe there's a few other comics where that comes into play or something. So I was wondering if you knew that also. No. And I always thought she was would have been strong enough to have her own series. But at the same time, it never really surprised me that she didn't really get one. Uh, I think she works really well as an ensemble character. 
but um, I think she's had a couple miniseries, and I think they were okay. But as far as having a Huntress title, I just don't think it works as well. Because throughout the story, you see that she is literally the person that she is trying to capture, the person that's you know that has no problem crossing the line at the very end of the story. We'll get into it. Tim has to explain mm-hmm. why things are the way that they are. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mandy's character I thought was really interesting in this, the brother and sister uh, dynamic uh, between the two, yeah. that all three of them are, I believe they're elementary uh, schoolmates. And uh, uh, one of the panels that I really like out of here is the flashback sequence to um, her uh, communion that she's having with her parents where uh, Mandy picks up the uh, tray of food and uh, and throws it at her. And all of the interlinking panels – uh, just that little square section between each of them, I thought was just a really cool, mm-hmm. cool way. And uh, it, normally through like a, a flashback, you'll get like a, a, a sepia tone to let you know it's, it's a flashback. I thought this was just a, a unique way to to kind of do that. Uh, yeah. To to see it here, um, and I don't think her brother is shown in this panel, which I thought was kind of clever. At the same time, it's more just her. Um, yeah. So, well, what did you think of having a uh, female uh, protagonist uh, through the story? It's one of those. It, I think it's cool. It, it comes off as like protagonist, rather. I should uh, say. Uh, yeah, it comes off as like a kind of a pseudo mystery kind of thing. I mean, it kind of you kind of figure it out right off the bat if, if you're reading. But uh, just the fact that it's something that. Um, plays off of Huntress herself is pretty smart. You know, they're both women and the fact that um, they're both born of uh, of the mob uh, and Huntress has decided to kind of be a vigilante and and um, her adversary, uh, you know, Mandy has been um, just biding her time waiting to try to kind of take over the mob. And it's and it's cool because it's it, it perfectly pits Huntress um, as the person to be able to figure this out and take take down the mob. So I think it works really well. Yeah. I mean, like you said, she has that background with her family, so she can she can easily relate to the motives of somebody else, but can also clearly understand how they've been getting away with it for so long because of all of their connections. And like we've been saying, Chuck Dixon's been writing so many different stories that, you know, he fits in tough Tony Brassy, you know, just by name uh, in here and, and refers to him at, as that through here, that knowing that, you know, Jean-Paul was tracking him down uh, early on uh, while he was becoming uh, Batman for the first time. So just kind of weaving all these plot threads together. And this is still mm-hmm. still fits in with Nightfall, just having Azrael in there and bringing in all these mobster elements that they set up at the beginning of the story with having um, Azrael go through. And what I thought was really interesting that Tim doesn't show up till the last, you know, the last page basically. Yeah. Um, and I, that's something I always really liked with the showcase issues. It gets a chance to showcase wink, wink um, somebody else um, that doesn't normally get a, um, a light shown on him. His, her brother, I thought was a really interesting character, and uh, I did not. Did you get the switch? Because there's a, a panel in in here that I wrote down that I don't think it's until the Robin 
uh, series. But did you think his mm-hmm. switch for the uh, being the other part of the villain in the story? Did you see that coming at all? Um, I I did. I, I suspected it, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 really well done. <laughs> um, sorry, I thought thought I heard the my phone. Oh, I'll go back to that. Sorry, I'm just checking. Yeah, I mean yep. that, that they're kind of setting the the seeds there for that. But the I'm just going to kind of jump to it. The panel where uh, Death Angel is talking uh, to him, uh, I take it that's a, a hallucination by him that he's dealing with being a priest and then dealing with um, this persona that he's created. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the outfit is just there. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's probably a good way to look at it. Yeah, it kind of and it, and it does kind of uh, you know trick you for a little bit. Um, I remember picking this up and thinking that that was anarchy because he's wearing the white robes yeah. and um, I was always trying to link it into because um, anarchy was in a showcase issue with Robin. Uh, actually, not a showcase issue. It was one of the annuals with Robin. He's been in the series once already. So that was something I'm like, well, maybe this is why I don't understand what's going on. And, of course, it doesn't fit up. Uh, Robin, yeah, the it, fact that it's 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 a gold mask and it's red involved. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah it's, it's, especially if you're a kid at the time, it's probably hard to, to you know, notice the difference. Um, and uh, Tim's arrival on the, uh, the last page, um, I like how he's really quick to um, – point out that you know this is the second time i'm saving you and uh yeah <laughs> she's just really quick to be like oh great it's this kid you know smart mouth brat um and i i like the huntress and uh robin team up um as much as i liked uh spoiler and uh tim together um in lieu of batman i think uh, huntress works really nice with robin but is more towards the line of how Azrael is operating than the way Bruce uh, would be operating. Of course, uh, she doesn't yeah. realize, you know, doesn't know who Batman is at this point. But this version of Batman that's running around would probably have zero problem uh, working with the yeah. Huntress because they're both willing to do what they feel needs to be done. Um, I'm, I'm sure you probably feel that very same way about that. Yeah, and the funny thing is, Robin. And, you know, Tim in, the, in these issues, he's operating. He's out of all three of them, he's the one that acts the most like Batman would. He's uh, and he keeps Huntress's identity a secret from Batman and Jean Paul too, which is a very Batman thing to do. I think even in the one of these issues, he says something like, uh, "Oh, I didn't even think about telling Jean Paul <laughs> yeah. who the Huntress is," or something like that, which I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah, and the first person. He thinks of when Huntress refers to Batman is is Bruce and not Jean Paul. So, so I, I kind of like that. Um, and to your point about um, them working together and operating like that's it kind of also speaks to the the landscape of the status quo right now in these comics is that Robin there is no you know Bruce isn't there and you know Jean Paul is kind of doing his own thing. Um, so it you know Huntress is not somebody that Batman would normally be okay with uh, Robin working with. But in this instance, Robin is kind of being his own person, his own man. And he's, 
he's calling things like he sees it. And, and you know, Huntress is definitely probably the lesser of two evils in this regard. And she's somebody that I think Robin could see um, that he could maybe, you know, bring her over to, you know, his side of the way they operate rather than trying to do it with uh, Batman, with Jean-Paul, rather, because uh, he tried it with Jean-Paul and then it didn't really work out. Yeah, I'm just looking at the panel sequence of after he's uh, dropped her off. And I think it's really telling, too, that after her concussion that he has, um, after um, uh, the Jimmy Silver incident at his uh, uh, car lot, that he takes her back to her place and then obviously removes her mask. And uh, but doesn't remove his own, so it's it's that one up of I know who you are. I only removed your mask because of your your head your head trauma, as it were. And uh, like you said, that whole you know keeping your secret. But the uh, panel that you were talking about is uh, you know Bruce would uh, would never have approved the Huntress's uh, methods and turns a blind eye to her. Never thought about telling Jean Paul, uh, even if we were talking. Like even if Tim wanted to say, hey, you know. Helena Bertinelli's the uh, Huntress, there's no way for Tim to even do that because Jean-Paul and Batman aren't even on, or Jean-Paul and Tim aren't on speaking terms. So I think that, like you said, it just gives that that whole another world building that the only person Tim really has to talk to right now in his universe other than Stephanie is the Huntress. So the last thing he wants to do is try and betray any type of a trust with the last, you know, vigilante out there helping him since uh, Batman's the only other one out there and there's no trust there um and then like they do a really clever job of having a death angel here in front of uh daniel that now that you say it i I always took these couple panels as he's entering the room and now looking at it the position never changes it's clearly just the it's on a mannequin or something like that and he's pulling the guns out so i that was really clever i had never really noticed it until now that it just looks like it kind of appears, but it's something he's definitely tortured by. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's, you know, it's, it's a mask that its mouth doesn't move. It's, it's pretty clever. Yeah. Um, now I don't know if I missed it. I read this twice before the podcast. What was the issue between the, uh, the two of them, the brother and the sister, Mandy and, uh, Danny that, She's she's holding something over him. It's just is it just that their families were in their mob, or is there something deeper that the two of them there? Like she's constantly using him as a she's going into the confessional to set her alibi. You know, I was here when this thing happened, and he's not wanting to play that fiddle anymore. She keeps holding something over him. Did I miss what that thing is, or is it just the the mob connection that they both? You know, she's not running away from. He's trying to run away from, but she's like, "You're still as much part of this as I am." Uh, let's see. I think that um, he always kind of had those violent tendencies. Um, because I think in Robin number six, towards the end, doesn't uh, Helena find like a box with? Death yes. Angel stuff in it or something That's like right. that? That's right. She goes back to, and once they first have the meeting with Death, Death Angel, she goes back to her box and finds one of the comic books and uh, that he used to pass out, and that's how she figures out who he was. But, um, yeah, so I think it's more of his darker past. Yeah. He's probably trying to write that by being a minister, and uh, Mandy was wanting to use that to 
basically use your brother as a scapegoat. If he ends up taking somebody out, well, hey, great. Yeah, it's a comic book he made when he was a kid. Yeah, and then he decided to become uh, become this Death Angel. Yeah, it's like a. It's exactly it. Now, uh, I have a funny thing here. If this is a, I'm using the word personal uh, joke between my wife and I. Um, <laughs> I have the note down here: pig hook. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I, I saw this panel, and I wish I could tell you what page it is. It's um, it is after uh, Danny is seeing uh, talking to uh, the mannequin of the Death Angel, and when uh, Robin and Huntress come in to uh, Mickey Silver's car dealership, and he's going to go reach for the gun, and Tim says, "Oh, there's always a gun there." Uh, they kick the desk drawer, and Huntress puts her fingers up his nose. Yeah, I wrote that Huntress nostril tr- nostril trick. My wife is what I wrote that, down. My wife calls that pig hooking. And if we're sitting on the couch, um, you know, you do like people will you know fish hook you, put you, their finger in your mouth or something like that. We'll be sitting on the couch and she'll jam her fingers in my nose and she'll go pig hook. <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm ratting my wife out. Just one of those dumb things that you know couples do to one another just to get a rise out of somebody. <laughs> So uh, she was going to go uh, visit her mother today, and when I was reading this early this morning, I sent her a picture of this, and then she called me back. She's like, oh, my gosh, they pig hook people in comic books. She's like, I can't yeah. have to get home and pig hook you. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to. So Yeah, I like the fact that she, like, she Hunter shoves her uh, fingers in his nostrils, and he's just like, oh. <laughs> and there's like three or four panels of it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And the line is uh, – uh, ever uh, rip a nostril uh, mech and I'm thinking yeah. I, I feel this guy's pain I, I know exactly how that is and uh, you're really quick to answer or get the other person away from you when they do that and uh, I, I just thought that was funny I'd never seen that in a, a comic before and uh, <laughs> just it, it really made me laugh um, getting into uh, Huntress and Robin uh, listening to Death Angel's uh, Actually, Mandy's conversation and how quickly a Death Angel uh, shows up, and uh, this is one of those times where Huntress really has no problem of just letting things happen how they're going to. Uh, when Robin and Huntress enter the room, she's almost just willing to let Death Angel, like, well, hey, if she takes Mandy out, no big deal. And uh, her line is, no, maybe this is the best way. And uh, Robin pulls out again. Uh, remember what I always said about there being a pistol in a drawer? Sometimes it's a shotgun. So I like that uh, Dixon finds a way to add a little bit of uh, uh, humor to this. I think the story uh, moves uh, rather pretty well here uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, series. We see um, Huntress uh, is finding uh, the book, the comic book from Danny in some of the latter panels. Um, the question, another note I have here in the book, in my notes, is when Robin comes across uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, the nun ninja, I was uh-huh. racking my brain trying to figure out where the last time that was, and I think it was have it. in the Anarchy um, Annual. Am I correct in saying that? I don't think so. Well, maybe. Um, I didn't check that one, but in my notes I have um, that Robin encounters the nun from St. Evangelina's that he met previously in Detective Comics 661, which oh, is a Firefly, which is a Firefly, Firefly. issue. Also. That's right. Yeah, also written by Dixon. Yeah. So I thought that was yeah. a great callback. Yeah, it's one of those things where 
uh, Chuck Dixon can can utilize previous issues he's written and just keep keep world building for for things. And I I kind of love that continuity. And you would see that a lot in these '90s comic books. And it's really good. Um, I I like how they they do that uh, nowadays where they're putting in here. You know, like hey hey Robbie, that's in you know Detective Comics, whatever that is. But I also like the the hide and seek. Like where is that? So you start digging through your back issues. And finding that yeah. out. So I forgot about the Firefly because she's the uh, one that had uh, helped raise uh, Garfield Lens. Lens, yeah. yeah. That's that's really that's that's going deep. I, it just keeps that. I know. Continuity. I know, and you know that's that's good. It's like one of those good things of uh you know keeping notes as you read because yeah I've had that note for a while just because I knew that would come up. Because as soon as he doesn't he say something in the book like we've met before blah 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 and I'm yeah. like well if that's yeah I remember your disappearing ex sister so yeah I'm like okay if he's saying that that means there's definitely an actual an actual issue where they met before so and they also make references she's changed parishes too from the last time uh huh the last time that they were at so I I think that's really cool too and that makes me go I'm wondering how many appearances that she makes throughout that's that may be Sister Ninja. Yeah, Sister Ninja. <laughs> I think that was Night Ranger's sequel to Sister Christian, but it never got released. It was going to be Sister Ninja. Um, bad joke, Rob. Maybe that'll be the opening track. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, this last half of the book, I think, moves uh, going. We just finished basically uh, the Robin uh, part of the showcase story with him finding uh, Death Angel's bulletproof vest and him being. Uh, in there, uh, I like how Tim is basically just following the clues. He hasn't put together who Death Angel is at this point, and I mean, I think he's yeah. realized it at the moment he finds the bulletproof vest. But uh, Helena calls him out that you know she figured it out early on just because of her connection and finding uh, the comic book, and you're led to think that she gets through to Danny here, and of course he ends up uh, taken off. Uh, I think the art is probably the strongest out of all three of these issues in this one. I think it's the yeah. most consistent uh, in here. And yeah. uh, I think this, out of the three books, this is the one I think I enjoyed the most, probably just because the story was really ramping up. I felt like every page uh, worked really well. And I thought it was ingenious, too, that uh, Mandy's stake in the Gotham underground or whatever is a legitimate business in like waste management. I thought hmm. that was really kind of cool. Uh, and it kind of par- paralleled with uh, Helena's uh, father being in construction that, you know, one kind of yeah. goes hand in hand. So you kind of get the impression that the two families might have been working together at some point, which probably, mm-hmm makes the bond for all three of these characters uh, work really well. Yeah. And, sp- and about the artwork, too, there's that page uh, in... It looks like I have page uh, splash almost in the middle of the issue with Robin and Huntress crashing through glass window and stuff like that. It's yeah. really well done. And it's one of those... Um, that's the panel they used in all of the advertising, too, yeah. for this crossover. So I immediately recognized it as a you know a standout you know, piece of art from, from these issues. And while doing uh, homework for this and, uh, uh, cry the huntress way back when, when we had done it early in the show that while looking up for Robin and the huntress, this showcase series comes up in a lot of image, 
uh, shots. Um, I think just due to the fact that these are the two characters mm. that are in here, but it does look like still one cohesive story. Like this is like we said earlier, this is like part two, uh, Cry of the Huntress, which I think yeah, I think actually helps strengthen what Cry of the Huntress is now after after reading this. Um, uh, Mandy's really quick to uh, get rid of the other some of the other mob bosses in here, and Tim ends up uh, saving them, and it's really kind of funny to see. Uh, Helena says here, again, I apologize on the page here reading this out of the trade, where she comes in on the bulldozer and says, my dad was in the construction racket. This isn't uh, my first time on one of these. I thought that was really kind of funny, uh, seeing her in the, <laughs> the, the bulldozer and Tim you know, riding alongside of it. Uh, and it was really kind of funny. Like In this, Tim's fighting is really kind of getting him in trouble. Uh, people are really able to get the upper hand on him. He's able to kind of flip out of it before getting run over by... Uh, mm-hmm. The bulldozer, but it's really uh, Helena that is the the huntress is a, the stronger out of the two, um, and I want to say doesn't the huntress start using a gun shortly after this? Because she says here she never liked uh, working with guns. Uh, she's never really good at using them, but they don't know that. And then clearly she it looks oh, like yeah. I'm getting that she does take a couple shots at them and clearly misses. Am I picking that up right? That she's yeah. pull, pulling the gun she, out of... She gets the gun out of out of his jacket, yeah. And then she says, I didn't hit one of them, so I think that's clearly like she intentionally tried to kill uh, these guys while using the guy as a, a human shield here. Yeah. Yeah, or then she just chucks the gun because she's no good at it. Yeah. Um, and I thought this these last couple pages were really kind of the... Uh, the heavyweight uh, of the issue where Danny is standing in front of his sister and pleading with her to stop and um, she ends up killing him in cold blood and uh, I think Huntress is actually kind of okay with it and at first and then she has the flip where um, she's going to snap her neck and this is the discussion we were talking about where Robin says no Huntress killing her crosses the line uh, and Batman and I will will never make that. Excuse me. And Batman and I will make this the your last night in Gotham. And she's just going yeah. to say, you know what? Fine. Let your justice department take care of her. And when she gets out and does something else, this is on you. And I mm-hmm. think Robin just has a really great line here. Uh, says we're outside of a law, but we're not outlaws. How long do you think Gotham will tolerate us? when we start killing the hoods, I think that really sums up mm-hmm. who they are and where the line is drawn at where the Huntress is. And I think Tim is finally seeing why Batman doesn't, doesn't trust her. Yeah. And, uh, I think, uh, Tim's last comment to her, you know, where she's like, uh, Mandy's saying, Oh, you know, my brother and Tim's like, you know, save it, <laughs> you know? And, uh, it says, you've got a lot, you got all the answers, but think about this. Have you ever looked up and seen the bat signal over the night sky? Well, one of those nights it'll be looking for you, and it ends with... Uh, with Azrael, yeah. Azrael, Jean-Paul, which I thought was a nice kind of wrap-up uh, to the three issues. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, this was something when we were coming up, finishing the first five uh, books for the Robin series, I thought, all right, we're just going to jump right into... Uh, the last half of uh, Nightfall, Night's Quest. Yeah. 
and uh, I can't remember if it was you or Terrence that had said these showcase issues, and I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to really slow the pace down, but I'm really glad that we're kind of here at this point to be able yeah. to do this, and I thought it was a really good, uh, solid story, and it kind of left me wanting wanting more from The Huntress, which I don't think I've ever really thought of before um, at this at this point. I was always mm-hmm. like, okay, let's get to the next Robin thing, let's get to the next Batman thing. I wanted to know like where her next step was after this moment. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of want to get your final thoughts on the and in how this uh, series folded out, and if you had any other notes that I uh, didn't get a chance to hit on. I think we hit most of the notes. The thing that stands out to me the most is just the fact that it's kind of a, you know, a very well done um, storyline that's that that utilizes all of the the status quo um, that they have at the time to kind of take a break and just tell a really good story set in that world. Um, it kind of you know don't have ignore all the you know, part 57 of night quest or nightfall <laughs> or whatever. And just kind of, this is the status quo at the time. And let's, let's just tell a good story with these two characters. Um, and it works really well. It's a, it's a nice little break and it, it flows really well between the showcase issues and Robin. It's, it's just a, it's nice, a nice little concise crossover and it's definitely worth your time. And I'm glad that it's, um, reprinted in, in that recent, uh, Robin trade also. Yeah. Uh, that was something else I wanted to ask if if this did make it into the trade. So that's that's good to know that the, yeah. this is the first time that that's been printed. Uh, yeah. Ever. And not yeah. a lot of showcases get a lot of love. Um, I think there's yeah, exactly. some really good showcase uh, single issues. I know Nightfall used some for Two Face. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, the Azrael one ninety four kind of ties in to his aftermath in Nightfall. But even beyond that, just outside of the Bat family, there's some good, like, Blue Devil uh, stories in there that I never was a Blue Devil fan at all, but I found his couple appearances and some showcase issues actually really good. So, like you said, this... And there's also... Oh, go... No, go um, ahead. You finish. There's also... I was looking at some of the issues before and after this, and there's also... uh, a Chuck, I think it's Chuck Dixon written um, Scarface origin that goes over two issues, and I'm, I haven't read that, but it makes me want to pick those up because it seems pretty interesting. Yeah, I may have to just go through, and that's like we always talk about falling down the rabbit hole. Usually, after doing something like this, I'll get something that goes, "Well, let me check in to see what where the Huntress went chronologically after this." Yeah, or, I really enjoyed the showcase stuff, so I'm going to go back through. And go into Comixology and just you know start downloading, you know some of that stuff. So it's been really pretty cool. Um, something I did want to bring up, like I said, this is the last official um, episode for the year, and uh, I want to say a, a big thank you to Ryan. I think you've been on like seven <laughs> a of, bunch of, of these now. So we've been jokingly saying that you know hey your chair is always here. I feel as though you're an honorary co-host to the show, so it just says whenever you have the availability, I think we just keep saying, hey, do you want to do this? And you're like, yeah, sure, that's great. So uh, thank you for all the plugs that you give us over on Batman on Film, and that's that's really cool that, that you're that you say the things that you're saying, but we also appreciate you uh, being here and just talking some great uh uh, Tim Drake and Azrael with us. So I know Terrence uh, really appreciates it, and, and so do I. So I really thank you for uh, what you've done for the podcast so far. And it would be really cool to have you again, like we said, for our, our Christmas episode. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You guys are very welcome. And anything I can do to support the show, 
I will do because it's uh, it's just good to have you guys as part of the Batman Podcast Network, and um, and I think what you guys are doing is just it's it's great. I mean, it, it, Tim Drake doesn't get the love he deserves, and certainly the way you guys are doing it with with going through each issue is just it's it's really good. So I'm gonna keep doing it. Um, I did want to say that since Tim is kind of MIA in uh, the Rebirth titles, Tim did make an appearance this week. Yeah. In a Rebirth title. He made an appearance in Nightwing 10. Am I saying that right? Um, I'm I think it's Nightwing 10. Frantically through, yes. Night, oh, excuse me, Nightwing 9. It was okay. uh, more of a hallucination, but it was really kind of yeah. cool uh, to see him in there. So there wasn't a a big talking point to say, hey, yeah. Tim's in his cell. It's, it's a, you know, a, yeah. a clear dream sequence, but that was kind of cool that... Was there somebody else in that dream sequence? It was Tim and somebody else, right? Tim and New 52 Superman. Okay, yep, yep, because those were like friends of Nightwing and now they're gone kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So that was your rebirth minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what next year does for uh, Tim Drake, and we'll talk about that in the next uh, episode. So I figured this one was probably going to go a little bit smoother. There wasn't a whole lot to go into um, a lot of our big talking points will be in the next episode. So is there anything you have? There's no letters uh, for this particular round. Right. I think because they were showcase issues, uh, Ryan and I were talking before we recorded, that where the letters would have been would have been in some zero-hour issues. And then the cool thing at the time they did, it looked like they started printing the letter, but then it fades into the white yeah. and, and disappears. <laughs> so. Just white pages. So I think this was one of those when these – Showcase issues came out. They just kind of put them out there, and however the readers take to them is what they'll take to them. And people will be talking more about the bigger things like the end of Nightfall and Zero Hour and things like that that I guess they yeah. thought this will be kind of forgotten. But uh, I'm glad that uh, we remembered to do it for the show. So anything else you want to add or uh, plug as we uh, get ready to sign off on this episode, Ryan? Uh, just uh, one little clarification is that this story will be available um, in Rob. It's going to be in Robin Volume Three Solo, and that comes out December sixth. December sixth. So, wow. Yeah. So that's that's Robin Volume Three, and that's going to have uh, that's actually going to be a good one to get. It's got Robin One through Five, Robin Annuals One and Two, and this uh, Showcase series and Robin Eleven and Twelve in it. So cool. and that comes out very shortly, uh, and uh, follow me. Twitter at SMB underscore Ryan. Well, thanks for being here. Um, I don't have a lot to do as giveaways or things like this. I'll talk more about it in the next episode, but I'll leave just a little hint here. I'm going to try and come up with a contest or something. While I've been collecting all 183 of these issues, I've managed to duplicate or triplicate some of these that I had things written down wrong. So I'm probably going to do a giveaway of a Robin bundle of miscellaneous books. So if somebody out there is like, I'd like to start a Robin collection, I may be able to help you get a good (laughs) chunk. So I'll have to come up with something. It'll probably be like a Christmas giveaway. So I'm just kind of throwing that out there now. But uh, again, Ryan, thank you very much for being here. Uh, Welcome. Terrence, I hope you're having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, seriously, uh, Terrence, hope you had a good time with the family, and we will see all of you back here in a couple weeks for our Christmas 
Christmas episode of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. And it'll be our third year anniversary to the date of, of the show. So, well, a lot of cool things. Uh, Andy D. Genova will be stopping by from Holy Batcast. So it'll be a good show. Batman Noel Christmas. On the behalf of Ryan Haas and myself and Terrence O'Neill, this has been Robin. Everyone loves the Drake, and you've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at Robin, ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin, everyone loves the Drake, and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>